Hey everybody, our board slash OITE podcast companion book is now available for you to follow along and take notes with our podcast review. Just click the link in the description. This episode is sponsored by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. Regardless of your residency program year, the Resident Orthopedic Core Knowledge Platform developed by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons is right for you. Free to residents, ROC is an online learning program that covers 11 subspecialty areas with content that's being authored and curated by some of the leading names in orthopedics. And residents can access content for free at roc.aos.org. Get started today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Nailed It Ortho podcast. My name is Dr. Cole. Myself and Dr. Fitz started this podcast to go over high-yield orthopedic surgery topics, but you are now tuned into our OITE slash board review series featuring myself and Dr. Spencer Woolwine. We are continuing on foot and ankle. Now, if you haven't already, please go and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Nailed It Ortho. And also, if you would like to read along and see some of the notes while we're talking about these different topics, especially foot and ankle, click the link in the podcast description. We actually finally have a podcast companion book all the way up to foot and ankle. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. You are now listening to Nailed It, the orthopedic surgery podcast featuring doctors Jay Fitz and Wendell Cole. And so um, let's say you have a patient, they present with some plantar uh, paresthesias, they have some uh, uh, increased symptoms with dorsiflexion and eversion of the foot. What are some of the things you can offer that patient surgically and non-surgically? Yeah, so non-surgically, you could try you try to mobilize them and hopefully, you know, that helps with the swelling um, and that immobilization can help with their symptoms. You can also give them anti-inflammatories with that immobilization or COX-2 inhibitors. Um, sometimes you can give steroid injections to help with the inflammation um, there were some um, sources that says you can also give them SSRIs or selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. I know we haven't heard about that since med school, but that is also another option. Uh, you can also give uh, patients an orthotic with a medial post. So something medial to help uh, kind of cushion that area. So those are some of the non-operative things that you can do. And some of the operative things that you can do is you can do a tarsal tunnel decompression. Um, so this is where you decompress that entire tunnel. So you go and you decompress five meter, five centimeters, I'm sorry, proximal to the flexor retinaculum. And then distally you decompress to the deep fascia of the abductor hallucis. And this is the area where the first branch of the lateral plantar nerve is going to be uh, released. And also, we talked a little bit about earlier that this can be due to also space occupying lesions like gangliomas or, um, or you know, whatever type of a, a lesion it can be. So you can also excise whatever that space occupying mass is. And patients, I, I believe, typically have the best results when, they're, when their um, tarsal tunnel syndrome is due to a space occupying mass um, because you can excise those and they typically have the best results. And I think that's all we have for tarsal tunnel syndrome. Um, next, going forward to the posterior, we're going to go some some tendonitis uh, of the foot, which is also another big topic. Um, where does the posterior tibial tendon insert? And then what does activation of this tendon allow? I feel like this is one of those high yield, I guess, concepts to know, and then everything else kind of starts to make sense. Yeah, posterior tibial tendon issues, it's, 
uh, kind of on par with many other foot and ankle issues when, when you're talking about uh, test taking purposes. And so if you can understand posterior tibial tendon and insufficiency, um, you will do very well on the OIT and ABOS. So um, for your question, where does it insert and what activation does this tendon allow? There are several limbs uh, of the posterior tibial tendon as it tra uh, traverses posterior and inferior to the medial malleolus. Uh, the first limb, the anterior limb, uh, attaches on the navicular tuberosity, and we had talked about that in uh, navicular avulsions, where you debride the navicular uh, avulsion and you reattach the posterior tibial tendon. The middle limb uh, goes all the way to the second and third cuneiform, uh, the cuboid and the second through fifth metatarsal. So it has a very wide band of, or kind of fanning out of uh, insertion attachments. And then the posterior limb goes to the sustentaculum tali. And what it is primarily uh, responsible for, as you can guess, as it inserts on many midfoot structures is to lock the midfoot or lock the transverse tarsal joints to create a solid lever arm for the toe off phase of gait. And uh, as, as you'll kind of hear in the next couple of questions that we kind of ask ourselves back and forth is uh, kind of what that posterior tibial tendon insufficiency causes and how to best treat it. And so if you see a patient who um, how, how do these patients present? They're typically uh, in their 50s, 60s. They're a little bit overweight. They're not particularly active. And they complain of a lot of pain in their midfoot when they push off when they walk in the, in the mid stance of gait or as they kind of go up under their toes. So what, what are sort of other physical exam findings are you looking for in these sort of patients? Yeah. And, and, you know, we're talking about adult acquired flat foot. And also for those listening, we have a, a podcast with Dr. Ganey, uh, where she actually went in depth on posterior tibial um, tendonitis and flat foot and talks about all these things that we're talking about. Uh, she did a great job too, by the way. But anyway, so um, some of the physical exam findings seen with PTT or posterior tibial tendonitis or adult acquired flat foot is patients can have hind foot valgus. So these are all things that you can see when you're just looking at the patient. So what you want to do is you have them standing up and they're facing the other way. You know, they're hopefully we get their, their feet um, pointing forward and you're looking at them from behind for hopefully. So hopefully you have their shoe off. If they have a long pants, you have them rolled up. They have their socks off and you're taking a look at their feet and you're standing on a flat ground and you look at the, at the heel and you know some hind foot valgus you also note an abducted forefoot and what this looks at is we call it a too many toe sign or you're looking from the back and you're seeing a lot more toes so you're seeing like the fifth the fourth the third digit of the toes from behind which normally you don't necessarily see when your forefoot is not abducted uh, when you're looking at them from the side or maybe from behind you can see this as well that the longitudinal arch, the medial longitudinal arch is collapsed. And they can also have an Achilles or a gastronemius contracture. And I think, we'll, I think I put a question here a little bit later um, talking about the, um, that some of the tests for the Achilles uh, to see whether the uh, contracture is coming um, from 
uh, which which part of the gastroc or the Achilles tendon. And also these patients can have an inability to perform a single heel raise. And this can kind of help um, clue you in towards a flexible versus a rigid deformity. So if they're able to perform a heel raise, so you have them you know, lean up against the bed, they can put their hands on the bed, lift their other leg off of the ground and come onto their tiptoes. And you can see if they're even able to do this and if they can reconstitute their arch, uh, their medial longitudinal arch when they do this, that's kind of more of a, a flexible deformity versus a lot of patients are just unable to do this. Um, now, what are some things you may be able to note on the x-ray on patients with this adult acquired flat foot or posterior tibial tendon insufficiency, PTT? So the uh, PTT is really going to lead to midfoot collapse. And so uh, the best way to determine midfoot collapse is by looking at the lateral x-ray and the Miri's angle. And the Miri's angle is looking at the, uh, I believe it is the, um, the longitudinal axis of the first metatarsal and the longitudinal axis of the talus. And if those are not uh, in line with one another, meaning if the talus has a more vertical orientation on the lateral view, then you have midfoot collapse. Whereas if, you, if the talus has a more superior angle on the lateral view, you're going to have a uh, caval varus foot. And so uh, you're looking at that Miri's angle and if the talus drops down below the axis of the first metatarsal, then they have midfoot uh, collapse. Looking at the AP view, um, what happens when you have midfoot collapse is the foot will go into valgus and the midfoot, what happens is the, you'll get forefoot abduction, abduction, and the toes will point more lateral, which is pertaining to the uh, point you brought up about the too many toes sign. And then right. you'll have the talus, uh, the tailor head kind of uncovering from the navicular. So the navicular is supposed to cover um, essentially uh, 100% of the tailor head. But as that foot comes into uh, valgus and collapsing, that navicular will start to uncover the tailor head and you'll see that on the AP view. Um, and then uh, looking at the kind of straight on axial view, you'll see a lot of hind foot valgus and kind of calcaneal collapse. So those are the things you're looking for on x-ray. And so let's say you have a patient who presents exactly as you have stated, they, um, they can't do a single uh, toe raise, they can't um, ambulate uh, without a limp, and they uh, have all of these x-ray findings with forefoot abduction, uh, uh, Miri's angle that is not concordant with uh, normal parameters, and uh, hindfoot valgus. This episode is sponsored by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. Are you an orthopedic resident? Then you need to know about ROCK. It's a new resident orthopedic core knowledge program developed by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. Created for U.S. residency programs and free to residents, ROC covers 11 subspecialties and is filled with in-depth, comprehensive content and quizzes that have been authored and vetted by some of the leading experts in orthopedics. This all-in-one curriculum will give you the foundation and knowledge you need to become a successful board-certified orthopedic surgeon. 
And remember, access to rock content is free to residents. Get started at rock.aaos.org. What are you going to initially treat these patients with? Yeah, so some of the treatment options, um, at least the non-operative treatment options that we have for these patients, include number one, a medial heel wedge. Uh, again, where you just try to, you know, we put a little wedge underneath the, the medial part of the heel because sometimes that area can be collapsed. You can also give them a University of California Berkeley Laboratories shoe insert. I know UCBL shoe insert. Sometimes you'll see it on the exam. And I think the best way to just do this is just kind of Google it, but, you know, and, and you'll see a, a picture of what the insert um, looks like, but it was just named that because it was named after a laboratory uh, where it was researched and it, it was developed and it's mostly used again to treat this um, flexible um, flat foot deformity. And um, also other things that you can use, you can use a lace-up ankle brace, an AFO, which is an ankle foot orthrosis, as well as for physical therapy, which is um, good for stage one and stage two um, posterior tibial um, tendonitis. Now, I don't, I, I should have put a question in here talking about the different stages of posterior tibial tendonitis, but I think we may get into a little bit of that here shortly. And especially when we talk about treatment options. So, what are some of the you know, we tried the non-op, they tried the medial heel waves, they tried the the, uh, the UCBL brace and AFO, they did physical therapy working on trying to strengthen some of the muscles in your foot. No improvement. What are some operative treatment options for patients with posterior tibial tendonitis or insufficiency? Yeah, so um, when you have posterior tibial tendon inf- insufficiency, it goes from stage one to a stage four. And Honestly, the easiest way to learn this is not by listening to my monotone voices to <laughs> go on whatever kind of resource you look at, whether it's Miller's, whether it's OrthoBullets, whether it's uh, kind of OKU or some other AOS specific website um, is to look at because it, it really does incorporate a lot of different parameters to determine whether this is stage one, uh, stage two, A and B, stage three or stage four. And um, primarily stage one means that there's just uh, tenosynovitis. There's no deformity. They can still do a single leg heel raise and their radiographs are normal. So stage one patients, um, as you would expect, because they are mostly normal, um, just like you said, they're probably going to do the best with non-surgical treatment. If they fail all of that, then you do a tenosynovectomy, which is really just kind of cleaning up the tendons, uh, the posterior tibial tendon specifically, and to take away any sort of inflammation that's around it. Surgery for these patients is probably not ideal, as most of them will improve with non-surgical measures. Now, if you have stage two, stage two is really broken up into A and B. Stage 2A means that uh, they have uh, arch collapse on radiographs and they have a flat foot deformity, but they still have a flexible hind foot, which differentiates them from a stage three. So stage two 
has a flexible hind foot. Stage three has a rigid hind foot. And if they have a flexible hind foot, then you can uh, typically treat these patients with uh, like an FDL to navicular transfer. You can do some sort of soft tissue reconstruction. You may consider a calcaneal osteotomy, such as a medial slide calcaneal osteotomy if the hind foot valgus is uh, present and there's uh, talonavicular uncovering. And then you can also consider a lateral column lengthening. And so what you are trying to do for these patients is they are falling into valgus and you are trying to create more varus for the foot. And I know that I said before that varus is the thing you want to avoid, but when <laughs> somebody has too much valgus, you actually want to give them varus because you want to create a neutral hind foot and midfoot for these patients. Once these corrections are done, you want to uh, evaluate for uh, overcorrection. So did you overcorrect their varus? Are they now in varus and supination? Which if they are, then you run the risk of creating varus hind foot and midfoot issues, such as uh, fifth metatarsal uh, fractures, recurrent ankle sprains, uh, midfoot instability. And so then you want to stabilize the medial column. And what you can do is stabilize that through a uh, cuneiform osteotomy, a first metatarsal osteotomy. And so uh, a lot goes into these sort of midfoot and hindfoot deformity sort of questions. The good news is it's unlikely on a test that they're going to ask you to, to correct so many different things at once. Like they are not going to ask you to yeah. recreate an entire midfoot from scratch. <laughs> and so um, as long as you understand by looking at an x-ray that uh, like a, uh, a flexible hind foot can be fixed with a lateral column lengthening or a calcaneal osteotomy, then you're pretty much in the clear. And then when you move on to stage three posterior tibial tendon insufficiency, you have the deformity on x-ray, but you have on physical exam a rigid hind foot. When you have a rigid hind foot, that means that it's now become a bony issue rather than a soft tissue issue. And when you have a bony issue, then you have to resort to more of uh, osteotomy plus arthrodesis rather than soft tissue reconstruction. So when you have a stage three in, uh, issue, that's when you're going to get subtalar arthritis. And that's when you're going to really push more towards a subtalar or a hind foot triple arthrodesis. And this was one thing that I didn't really understand in resident or when I was early on in my residency is I thought that a triple arthrodesis involved the actual tibial tailor joint, which it does not. So you're looking at the uh, talocalcaneal uh, articulation, the talonavicular articulation, and the calcaneal cuboid articulation. And so when you have stage three posterior tibial tendon insufficiency, creating a rigid hind foot with a triple arthrodesis is crucial to recreating the hind foot. And then a stage four uh, issue with the posterior tibial tendon insufficiency, which, I mean, that's when you start to have uh, talo, uh, or tibio talo 
uh, incongruency, that's when you're moving more towards uh, either uh, fusing the tibial tailor joint or you're reconstructing the deltoid ligament. And uh, those sort of questions are pretty rare, but they will give you plenty of info and plenty of imaging yeah. evidence to to tell you that this has now moved from the hind foot to the tibio tailor joint. So stage four, I wouldn't focus as much on. They like to focus a lot on stage two. So if as long as you know how to treat stage two with all the osteotomies and soft tissue reconstruction, then you will be able to answer essentially every question on posterior tibial tendon insufficiency. Um, I think that we covered that uh, uh, a lot. And I know that you, you've also uh, done a lot of uh, kind of more in-depth talk about specifically the posterior tibial tendon insufficiency with other uh, experts in the field. And so uh, I will kind of revert to them for more (laughs) discussion because they know far more about it than I do. So Thank you all for listening to yet another episode of the Nailed It Ortho podcast. Please go and hit the subscribe button if you have not. And please leave us a review. That would help out a ton. And until next episode.